We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Breaking news, Terry Rozier. He'll be the next starting point guard of the Charlotte Hornets. Step back, wide open, and it's good! Terry Rozier! All right, what's going on, everyone? And welcome in to another BuzzBeat episode, your favorite Charlotte Hornets podcast. You can follow us at BuzzBeatPod on Twitter and find our episodes on Apple Podcasts and Spotify, Google Play, or your favorite podcasting app. This is Richie, and I'll be joined by co-host Brian today. If you want to follow us on our personal accounts, I am at Richie Randall. Brian is at BeGuys underscore Bird. Uh, Brian, I'm just 40 followers away from a thousand. Is there any way that you can kind of uh, maybe do a campaign for me? Yeah, I'll, uh, I'll stump speech and uh, I'll use what little social media equity I have to to help try to see if we can close the gap and, and get you to the uh, the four digit milestone, four digit mark. Because everyone knows that's when you start making the big bucks on Twitter. <laughs> so once you like the you start to live a lavish life on the interwebs once you hit a thousand followers on Twitter. That's when all of life's problems go away and you become rich. Yeah. And and you, and you clearly know that cause you're, you're at that mark. And uh, we That's actually right. just got, <laughs> we just got watch, uh, finished watching the Hornets game. Uh, they lost to the wizards. 121-107. Uh, the first half uh, was somewhat promising. I mean, it's a sloppy game up and down game, fast paced. Both teams defensive just, aren't existent here uh so the hornets record falls to 16 and 32 i believe and then they have a one and two record with the washington wizards on the season which could come into play uh with tiebreakers and stuff like that uh later on as we get closer to the draft uh, but before we get into the hornets uh, in this game brian i do want to get your thoughts quick thoughts i know you probably have talked about this before but thoughts on kobe uh, if you guys did listen to our last podcast spencer and i'm Got to put out our thoughts on the whole situation. Uh, so give it a listen if you missed that. There's also a a Paul Washington Sr. interview too. But Brian, where were you and what kind of feelings were you experiencing on Sunday? And I, I'm assuming those feelings are still, still lingering, right? Yeah, uh, I'll try to be quick about this as much as possible because, you know, this is something we could talk about for a while. But no, I mean, I'll never forget. I was at the, the YMCA here in Raleigh. Um, actually saw when the news broke, the guys that were playing pickup basketball. I myself was not. I was just working out. But, 
yeah, man, the gym just stopped playing basketball and cleared out after it. And uh, that was sort of just the tip of the iceberg as you're starting to see more and more news come out about it. It's a complicated matter for a lot of reasons. Like, first off, it's it's incredibly sad and tragic. And, um, you know, you see how much Kobe meant to the game of basketball, to athletics, to the guys playing the game. Um, I covered the Duke-Pittsburgh ACC game earlier this week in Durham. And both teams wore warm-ups um, that were dedicated to Kobe. There were purple and gold banners in Cameron North Stadium. They did a, a, a moment of silence for Kobe before the game. Coach K, after the game and his press availability, um, he got choked up. Uh, you know, He had gotten to know Kobe actually pretty well during his time with Team USA Basketball. And he was sort of talking about... Um, you know, his family and the, in the couple of days between Sunday and, and the game on Tuesday had been sharing photos and you know, these photos from the summer of 2008, 2012 with, um, you know, Kobe interacting with coach K's grandkids. And, and you could see that it had a, had a pretty severe impact on him. Um, yeah, it's, it's tragic, obviously for a variety of reasons, having his daughter there, 13 years old, um, everyone's talked about this stuff already, but to have the, the seven other people in this helicopter, it's, it's hard to fathom. And I, I don't want to gloss over it at all either, but without, you know, feeling the need to just go down a whole other rabbit hole, like Kobe was a complicated character too, right? Like there were, there were, there were these like dark elements of his past. Mm-hmm. Um, and that it, that it definitely for a time had impacted my perception of him. But, uh, in, a, in, in these moments, you don't want to, again, you don't want to just completely ignore that stuff. That's part of the fabric of what made Kobe Kobe, but you will like, you're just trying to focus on clearly like this impacted, this affected a lot of people and hurt a lot of people. And your heart goes out to obviously to all the families and um, really just to the game of basketball. Cause if you care about this, like the game lost one of its most important characters ever. Um, and uh, it sucks and sad. And it's like, a testament to just how man like the the margins of life are just so thin sometimes and um really can't take anything for granted because the whole the whole adventure of life is just it's precious and uh it can be taken away at any moment which is scary but yeah it's been interesting to see the way the way basketball college pro uh the way everyone has reacted um, in, in what's been not quite a full week since the, yeah. the, the tragic events of last Sunday. Yeah, and Spencer brought up a good point on the last episode, just the, kind of like the, the 180 that Kobe made in terms of you view this guy as a basketball player that that is you know somewhat on the selfish side where he's you know trying to play hero ball, but then after his playing career, when you looked at him and saw all the images and videos of him as a father, he became mm-hmm. selfless, you know what I mean? So that that's kind of like the 180 that we're talking about. And, and you know, yeah. obviously there, there were some things in his past that Brian was talking about. But uh, well, one last one last thing I'll follow up on that, too, is like I think you see a lot of players from older generations that speak down on the game where it is now. Mm-hmm. Right. And that's not at all where, where Kobe was. He was paying it forward in a lot of res- in a lot of respects, yeah. which was working out with younger players in trying to inspire guys that he was competing against. Uh, but you know, you heard about Jason Tatum working out with him in the summer, Grace or not Grayson Allen, but Gordon Hayward working out with him this summer. You saw just how dedicated he was to promoting 
women's basketball too. And that's important college WNBA Rebecca Lobo from ESPN tweeted that out. Like no NBA player has, has, has given more shine, more of a light on this game um, than Kobe. And uh, all of that goes into the, the, the tapestry that was Kobe Bryant. So yeah, enough, I guess en- <laughs> enough. I like, we've talked about this yeah. a lot. So. Yeah, no, no. I mean, everyone um, has, and it's just one of those things, like you said, you could probably talk about it for another hour and the yeah. Hornets and the wizards did make another tribute to Kobe tonight with uh, Washington taking an eight second violation and Charlotte to start the game, a shot clock, 24 second violation. But as the game got going, you saw both of these teams and how little defense that they do play. The pace was up and Charlotte uh, looks like they had the game under control in that first half. Uh, you did mention pre-recording that towards the second quarter, things just seem to be going uh, in the direction of the Washington Wizards. But I had faith that the Hornets could pull this game out against a team that just really is one of, if not the worst, defensive teams uh, in the NBA. You saw the Hornets uh, constantly attacking the paint in the rim, uh, especially in the first half where they had 40, I don't, 42 or something like that points in the paint. In the second half, it wasn't as frequent. The Hornets definitely made a point of emphasis. Anytime you saw Bertans in the game, it seemed like they were attacking him. Uh, you know, setting those cross screens and the back screens to get post ups for PJ. And he actually might have been the worst, worst wizard uh, on the court tonight on both ends of the ball. I'm not sure how many points he scored, but it wasn't a lot. And I like that out of the, the Hornets in terms of finding a a negative on the opposing team and, and making sure that they attack that. I thought that PJ Washington played all right, but there's one thing that I, I just keep coming back to with PJ Washington is his free throw shooting. It's something that he has got to got to get better at. I know that there's one instance in this game where he missed uh, consecutive free throw shots. He was actually one of four tonight. I know that was not like a strong suit of his at Kentucky. I think he shot like in the 70s. But man, for a physical player like P.J. Washington that you expect to see uh, going to the line a little bit more frequently, uh, especially as his career goes along, you would hope that he would be a little bit better from the free throw line. So, Brian, initial gut takeaways from this game, obviously both of these teams defensively just are, yeah, are bad. 26 points in the paint, 26 points in the paint uh, in the first quarter for Charlotte. They went to PJ Washington the first eight minutes of the game, at least a half a dozen times on the block, maybe even more than that. They certainly looked for him probably eight or nine times. And he got touches on, on, on most of those, maybe all but, you know, one or two of them. Some of that cross screening slice screening action that they used for, for PJ to get him open and, uh, I thought he had some decent success and he had some nice passes out of the post. They got the ball rotating around a little bit too. And the Hornets in general did an oak like this offensively. This was, they didn't lose this game offensively, even though they had a, a power outage in the third quarter, but 1.07 points per possession, um, low turnover rate in this game for the Hornets defensively is really where this stuck out. I mean, this is, the, the Wizards in this game scored almost 1.25 points per possession. Um, that's with a 21% turnover rate. <laughs> they rebounded 48% of their misses in this game. Uh, Brad Beal got to the free throw line 15 times or for 15 attempts. Um, yeah, I mean, he was in attack mode the whole game. And this, yeah, this goes down. This is a top five or a bottom five, however you want to look at it. Defensive performance for the Hornets so far this season in terms of defensive efficiency. I thought Charlotte's point of attack defense really struggled in this game. I mean, 
you, you know, Graham and Rozier, they're not stoppers. Uh, and as, as much as Monk has made strides defensively this season, he's not a stopper either. I thought Cody Martin helped and gave them something defensively, but this all just became so simple for Washington, which was like, I thought everyone was able to have success, you know, attacking Charlotte, but especially Brad Beal, you saw a lot of guard to guard exchanges. So Beal could get the matchup, get Cody Martin off of him and then go to work against Rozier. And then they would go to work one, five pick and roll, especially against Willie Aaron and Gomez, who they dragged into that dance floor um, a time and time again. And basically, you know, when, when the centers for Charlotte would drop, Beal would settle into a pull up three, uh, if they trapped or doubled, big man would slip and Washington just did a great job playing four on three on the backside. A Smith had some good luck in these exchanges as well, too. And yeah, like the, the Hornets struggled defensively. They're one of the three worst defensive teams in the league. And uh, Washington has entered tonight as the top 10 offense. And I don't, you know, they looked the part for the most for, you know, they looked the part for the most part. Yeah, and they started to pick up their offense in the second half, and, and really, it wasn't a lot of Beal in the third quarter. Uh, it was mostly some of the other surrounding parts. I think the Wizards went on a 13-0 run towards the end of the third quarter, and at that point, the Charlotte Hornets were down seven heading into the fourth quarter. Just things weren't looking great for them. Defense-wise, like you said, you know, you're know you putting some of those bigs in, in the 1-5 in the pick and roll, and and Hernan Gomez has always been poor defensively. Uh, I will say that I did make a note of it. Maybe it was just early on in the game, but I thought he actually played fairly decent uh, in terms of you know his verticality and, and contesting at the rim. He's not going to be a, a Biombo by any means and, and racing shots uh, from opposing players at the rim, but he did a good job of keeping his verticality, contesting the shot. He got a steal one time when Wizards were trying to make an entry pass. I take those little highs from Hernan Gomez and, and just applaud him there because I know that that's a side of the ball that he does struggle with. Yeah, I, I think for I think for Billy, it's like it's not effort, and that's why his verticality is contesting at the rim can, can be fine. It's the stuff in space, like it's yeah. the, it's the it's the pick and roll exchanges twenty five feet from the hoop. That's really where um, he can struggle and get lost in, in those coverages. And yeah, I mean, uh, the, Charlotte was pretty aggressive with how they handled some of those screens. They asked Willie and Cody to step out pretty far on, on some of these. Aaron and Gomez dropped, but um, you know, on some of those, he had to come up pretty high. Zeller did as well. And, and again, Washington just created the advantage off that and attacked downhill. I think the player of the game for this game, I think it's a pretty obvious choice for the Hornet, Miles Bridges. I mean, he, he had a couple of corner threes in this game. He even had a pull up above the break three to start the game. Felt like he was pretty active uh, on the offensive glass. I think he had five or six of them on the offensive glass. Uh, and he did pretty good on, off the dribble as well. It's one of those... Uh, things where that's that's something that's slowly starting to pick up. I don't feel confident in him driving off the dribble uh, without fumbling the ball a little bit, but he did have a play in the fourth quarter where he spun baseline and went up for a contested layup and, and made it. Uh, surprised me how he was able to handle the ball on that specific play and, and not lose control and able to go up all in one motion. Uh, so Miles Bridges, I think he's showing signs of improvement in a lot of different areas. I think he did hit a, a little bit of a wall, uh, you know, maybe about a month ago. But I feel like he's been one of our best players recently. I know that's kind of weird to say, Brian. Yeah, I, I thought he should he showed a little bit of uh, you know a little bit of a dog. Like he has a couple times this year, sort of trying to trying to go at Beal, 
late in the game. Um, obviously, after Beal had sort of salted it away with a pull-up three, but I thought Miles did okay. I mean, on the first possession of the game, he was matched up with Beal. They ran a little weak side pin down, and Beal pitched it back to uh, Mahinmi, I believe, for a, an easy dunk, and it looked like you know somehow Zeller and, and Bridges had sort of mishandled that exchange because again, Mahinmi was just wide open for the roll. But I thought, the, I thought there were no sort of like glaring deficiencies defensively with Miles tonight. Like he has some of those games where yeah. you know he's really out of position you know, a handful of times for a game there. They didn't say that there was anything quite like that. I would need to double check the tape to confirm it. But I thought for the most part, he was fine defensively. Do you like his yapping with Beal? <laughs> I mean, yeah, sure. It's fine. Like I said, it, he's, he's, he's going after a couple people this season. I mean, I, I don't, I definitely don't mind it. And it, perhaps it shows a little bit of a competitive edge too, but there was even one possession Late in the, it was I believe it was the second half actually. Like Charlotte ran pick and roll. Zeller was on the short roll. Bridges was like weak side corner, and um, he as the play was happening, he he started cutting to the cutting baseline, like to the rim. Uh, he ended up catching the pass like halfway between the three point line and the paint, and he dribbled back out and hit a three. But it was another one of those plays where it was like. I think you got to just stay home in the corner because um, he sort of ended up bringing his man into the in, into the, the line of Zeller's role. I think you can still occasionally question Miles' feel for the game. But overall, yeah, I, I think he, he played. He, he was pretty good tonight, and I, and I like him showing uh, a bit of a competitive edge. And, yeah, when he has games like that where he doesn't stick out defensively, I think you got to consider those a win, probably. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think he he almost threw down the the dunk of his career at this point. Uh, I don't think it he had any shot of putting it down. But what, like once he like jumped out from where he jumped from, I think it was against Bertans. I was like, there's no way he's mm-hmm. he's throwing this thing down. I wanted to bring this up. So it seems like I think for the past couple of games uh, since we got back from Paris, Borrego is obviously running out the starting lineup of DG. Uh, Rozier, Miles, PJ, and Cody. And then the four players off the bench that seem to be getting the most consistent playing time, Monk, uh, Cody Martin, and then you have Marvin, uh, obviously still a, a veteran there, uh, but he's getting playing time, and then also Billy. So you're, you're seeing some DNPs from Bacon, from Batum, which to me is not surprising, MKG, obviously, which has been a, a consistent mm-hmm. thing throughout the course of the year, but also Biombo. It seems like he has gone from that starting center all the way to a DNP, and, and you actually saw him. I don't know if anyone took notice of this. You saw him coaching up Billy at one point in the third quarter. Uh, so it seems like the players on the bench are still into the game. Like mm-hmm. I, I took a big note of that. You know, even on that missed dunk by Miles or just anything in, in particular, you still have Batum and Bacon and MKG and Biombo yes. into the game. But Agreed. I do like this new rotation, not in the sense that I feel like it's going to give us success and, 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 and wins or whatever, but you're, you're playing the younger players plus Marvin. So any thoughts yeah. on that, Biombo and MKG and Batum just not getting playing time? I mean, I don't think there's any yeah. reason to. I think this is how, like, in, in in my if I were to put myself in Coach Brago's shoes, and there's a, a million different variables to consider here, but I think this is sort of like how my rotation would look, to be totally honest mm-hmm. with you. Now, whether you want to have Aaron Gomez or, or Biombo, I mean, you know, you're splitting hairs either way. Like, Charlotte's going to struggle defensively. Charlotte's going to struggle when Cody Zeller uh, is on the bench, uh, unless they're playing – 
PJ at the five, which they got to some late in the first half. They played the last couple of minutes of the first half actually with, with PJ and miles at the four five. So I like that aspect of this rotation too, is that you're getting to some of those small ball looks that allow miles to also play the four. I think, I think that's a good idea. I like having Malik Monk get consistent minutes as well. Um, he was on a, like a three game streak of playing pretty good basketball tonight. He struggled um, shooting the ball. I actually didn't think his shot selection was great. It looked closer to like previous years of Monk, just sort of like tougher shots from that, like eight to 12 range almost. And again, he keeps, he keeps missing threes overall. Charlotte did not shoot well from deep in this game, nine of 30, um, which is not great. Uh, only 30 attempts. That's not like a crazy volume for Charlotte. And uh, the Hornets now fall to three and 13 in games when they shoot under 31% on threes this season. That's just a random cutoff number, but not good. I mean, like when the Hornets, Devontae Graham struggling above the break threes, it's going to be tough for them to mount serious offense. PJ Washington, in 20, almost 23 minutes, he did not get up a three-point attempt tonight either, which is, um, you know, it's not optimal either. But I'm glad Cody Martin, 23 minutes, that looks about right to me. Malik Monk, almost 28 minutes, I like that as well. And uh, so, yeah, I think this rotation, you know, it makes sense, but I am certain this is not the last time it's going to be shaken up, you know. <laughs> and I do think you bring up a good point, though, which is that I, I kept up with this all season. Like, I think MKG – and Nick Batum have been engaged all season, yeah. even as their roles have fluctuated. And look, you can say like, yeah, these guys are professionals. They're well compensated, blah, 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 blah. And yes, those two things are true. They could be checked out, you know, and they're not like they've been encouraging. Uh, they've been, they've been, and they've been involved on the bench. They've been into the games from what I can tell just on my couch from watching on TV. I think that matters. And I think it's a testament to this culture that we've talked about Borrego and his coaching staff and the new front office building. All right, so Brian, they actually came out with some new rules for the All-Star game in Chicago. So first off, the teams are going to obviously be competing for four quarters, but the first three quarters, which I just think are odd to me, every quarter is going to start at a score of zero to zero, and it's going to be 12 minutes long, like, like a regular game would be, uh, but they're resetting the score every quarter, almost to take... I think they're keeping tally of what team wins which quarter. And then the final quarter, they, they're going to have a final like target score that they will set. And what they're going to do is they're going to give the leading team add 24 points in honor of Kobe Bryant. And that's going to be the target score. So I'm, I'm hoping that the cumulative score there isn't that big of a gap to where the, the, the team that is in behind doesn't have to catch up so much. I don't mind the target score as much. I do think that you know starting every quarter at 0-0 is a little bit odd, but I've said this before. I don't really watch the All-Star game that often. I will say that. I do watch the All-Star events uh, with the three-point contest, the dunk contest, and the skills competition more frequently than the All-Star game. Mm -hmm. Any thoughts on these kind of odd changes to the rules here? Not much. I, I don't have a strong opinion really one way or the other. I think the changes are... While I, I like that they're trying to do something to for charity, that's great, right? Even mm -hmm. if you could say like, hey, they could maybe even do do a little bit more. Like <laughs> these billionaire owners could could donate even more money to these Chicago area uh, charity cons charitable concerns. But you know, it's not my money. I don't think they're that complicated. I, I feel like there was a fair amount of people on 
on Twitter that were sort of uh, complaining about how cumbersome these new rules seemed I, I don't see it like that there's also a good chance i don't watch the all-star game there's a lot of college basketball going on maybe not on sunday nights but basically during during basketball season if i don't have to watch competitive games I, you know i don't mind taking a, a night off to hang out with my friends or family or watch a movie or whatever either too so i think it's cool that they're trying something new um, this doesn't move the needle much in either way for me, but it gives them another way to honor Kobe and and perhaps find some, uh, you know, pass out some money, some charitable charitable concerns in Chicago. I assume those are those those are those are positive things in my book, but um, yeah, I, I I don't have a strong opinion on this to be totally honest with you. Yeah, guys, let us know what you guys think about these new rules, if they really sway your opinion on if you're going to watch the game or night. I, I, I agree with Brian 100%. They, they, they're not complicated. Actually, resetting the score at 0-0 makes it less complicated so you guys can keep up with who wins the quarter. So thanks again for tuning in to another BuzzBeat. Uh, the next time the Hornets play will be Saturday uh, in San Antonio against the Spurs. Uh, as always, we'd appreciate a five-star rating and review on Apple Podcasts. For Brian, I am Richie. We'll see you guys next time. Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring podcasts on the Blue Wire Network. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System yet, then you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. Wherever you are across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE System technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unified, U-N-I-F-Y-D, healing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system.